Oh, that definitely wasn't a yawn. That was definitely the opposite. That's the thing where you have too much, too much oxygen. <laughs> I explained this to you before that people believe yawning is a symbol of being tired, but now like the latest research on yawning suggests that it is not that at all. It is a symbol of being focused. And when you yawn, the point of yawning is to sync up with other mammals to make sure you are high alert. You're cooling Speaking. your brain. You're cooling your brain. Speaking of a person who believes in crazy <laughs> like that, let's talk to Kyrie Irving about his trade to the Mavericks. Alabaster, oh, can we get him yeah. on the line? No, we can't. We have to talk about it ourselves. Okay, great. Let's <laughs> oh, no, I'm here. I'm here. I, I'll ask the question. Uh, which okay. team is closer to a title after the Kyrie Irving trade? The Mavericks okay. or the Nets? I'm sorry, Alabaster. <laughs> like, I, I know you have to ask a question, and I normally refuse to answer your question, but I do yep. it tactfully. But this time, it just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't listen to that question and think, like, that's actually what I'm concerned about right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so. What are you concerned about right it's now? It's not Dominique? even concern is the wrong word. Concern is the wrong yeah, Concern is the wrong word. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. But what I'm thinking about right now. First of all, is I can never, you know, like it's the old adage, if you trade a superstar away, you're never going to win that trade. Yeah, four quarters don't make a dollar in the NBA. Well, when you're getting rid of a headache, oh, them quarters, they sure sound Ooh. nice jingling in your pocket. <laughs> I cannot imagine a team trading away a player with this talent and having a party afterwards, but now I can. And I also can't imagine a team receiving a supremely talented player like this, a player that, frankly, they could use to mm -hmm. reduce Luka's um, usage, receiving this player and also being like, eh, are we sure about this? Are we sure we're going to extend this guy in the offseason? Are we sure that Kyrie Irving accomplished anything towards and the like, betterment of his career at all? I mean, this is, is what I yeah. think about immediately, though, to your point. is simply like, what did Kyrie accomplish here? And I think it's all through the lens of, as it has always been, a personal feud with the people who run the Nets. I mean, this is what this story is. Like Kyrie Irving demanded a trade. He had leverage to some extent insofar as he was like playing better, but the leverage otherwise was obviously non-existent. He's on an expiring deal. He wanted an extension from the Nets. They did not want to give it to him. They had apparently an offer tied to a championship in terms of an incentive. And so he didn't get assurances he's going to get extended beyond this this year from the Mavericks and the Nets just have to be thrilled yeah it really the, is like they they got I, I mean it's not about Spencer Dinwiddie although he's helpful it's not about Dorian Finney-Smith although he's helpful it's not about the first rounder although that is very helpful it's the fact that can you imagine how much I mean look the Durant question is the next question well uh, they should allow themselves the day <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Just enjoy it. And so I would point out this one thing where I have slight disagreement with you is Kyrie did not get leverage because he's playing better. Kyrie has leverage because anyone who is opposite of him in any negotiations believes that he's capable of anything. <laughs> and so oftentimes yes. players hold out and you're like, eh, whatever, you'll show up. No, Kyrie will say and do just about anything. And his talent he will is put incredible. Jason Whitlock in your Instagram stories. He is absolutely doing Jordan Peterson. He is doing all of that. And it's yeah. like, sure, we're doing so, this now. Yeah, I guess I, to, to get back to the original question, um, I, I guess I feel like the, the Nets are closer to a championship because it feels like a waste of time even evaluating um, Kyrie 
as a talent um, because his presence brings so many other like potential issues. And then you get to the fact that like Luca's not about that defense. Kyrie's not about that defense. Playoffs is about that defense. Well, this is why, I mean, there, there, uh, it is funny to like introduce this story to somebody who has maybe only watched like highlights of the players involved. And you're like, Luca and Kyrie are arguably the two most fun players in the NBA to watch. Right. In terms of skill level, they are up there with the greatest of all time. That is objective truth. And we don't, I think collectively, I, I think not only do we not know how they're going to fit, it just doesn't seem like a good idea. And it reflects a desperation by the Mavericks, who, as you alluded to, need a second best player as badly as any team since like the Allen Iverson 76ers need a second best player that's identifiable. But the thing, the thing about what Kyrie did in the leverage, right? To just put a button on that. If he had just said nothing, right? The odds of him getting the max contract that he would have wanted, that he still wants, it's so much higher just because people would have fooled themselves because they were willing to do it. And this is where the playing better helps. Yeah. This is where just like the silence helped. The non-Instagram storying insane shit helps. If he had just done nothing, he would have gotten to Max, I think. And now it's like, oh, he just did this. He demanded a trade to Dallas. Why? It just makes him so clearly still him. And that's what you don't want to be. Yeah, you, I don't know, it's I, you, people's actions. Like, I, I don't think that he cares about the max contract. Um, or he does, but it's lower on his priorities than other things. Because if he cared about the max contract, there are 13 different times where he would have done something differently <laughs> yes. if the max contract was the most important thing to him. And I'm not saying he should. Like, it's commendable that money is not the most important thing. But it's also interesting to be like, oh, no, I want the max but I'm going to do these things that are very similar to these other things that clearly made it seem like I was always this close to getting run out the league altogether. It just doesn't all, uh, it's a confusing, stressful cocktail, and I am not close to either team. What's up, Alabaster? Well, so he did demand the trade because he didn't get the, get the extension he wanted. But what I think is interesting about this is we are, you know, 20 months removed from that playoff run where we saw James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant oh, yeah, they look good. roll through a first-round series, and, and James Harden pulls his hamstring, Kyrie Irving rolls his ankle, uh, KD's toes on the line. That team mm -hmm. looked unstoppable. And what Kyrie has done since then is burn all of his credibility and blow up a team that seemed destined for a championship and – we still don't know. I'm mean, talking about on-court stuff. He's being paired with LeBron Light. The one time Kyrie Irving succeeded in his entire basketball career is when he had the greatest decision maker of all time making decisions for him. Now he has a diet version of that in Luka. Is that interesting to you at all? Can Kyrie Irving do something significant in the basketball court for the first time in six years? Interesting, yes. He's not LeBron Light, guys. Like, offensively, he's very talented and young. The way, plays, like. the way he plays, the way he plays on one on one end of the floor, and even on that end of the floor, he's less explosive. Like I, I like Luca as much as the rest of y'all, but LeBron was a dominant force on both ends of the floor. Like when he was at his best, when Kyrie was at his best. So like I get it. Offensively, they're going to be 
talented and interesting and fun. But then on the defensive side of Florida, they have two guys that people are more than happy to go up against. They'll hunt them. Yes, they yeah. will hunt them and pick and roll. You don't have to hunt them when it's two of them. Like, well, <laughs> you have to hunt when it's one uh, weakness on the defense. But well done, though. I do think the LeBron comparison is not unreasonable offensively. Agree that it's unreasonable defensively. The thing that I think of, though, is not merely like, okay, I'm thinking about what's the best way to spin this if you're the Mavs. And it's not even LeBron and Kyrie. I think it's James Harden and Chris Paul. I think the James Harden, Chris Paul Rockets that won 65 games when James Harden was heliocentric as hell and Chris Paul came in and was the other guy and was trying to be the best version of a sidekick that he'd ever been. That's what you're hoping for from Kyrie. The problem is that I just don't think, and Chris Paul didn't have it in him for more than that like one run and then he got hurt and then it all fell apart. I just don't think that that is, that's Kyrie. Um, when, when he was with Kevin Durant, right at his best. And again, there were moments this season where I picked the nets in my head as like, yeah, they seem like they're going to the finals. KD and Kyrie were still doing the turn-based thing at the end of games. Even when they were like at their most like comfortable, they were taking turns at the end of games. They were not fitting around each other. And, and that's where I am just deeply yeah. pessimistic about fit. And again, KD. It's a presence on defense, an athletic seven-footer. I think that's uh, – I'm beating this dead horse. We'll move no, on but defense, that defense, but like, defense matters. And the by thing. the way, KD, Dominique, let's talk about KD. That's where my brain goes, admittedly. Mm-hmm. Like, we can frame this question around Kyrie. Really, the question for the Nets is the same question that it was when this was the question however many months ago, somewhere between six and a million months ago. What does Kevin Durant think of any of this? Yeah. That's the question for the Nets. That is their franchise right there in that question. Right that's a good question i think that he has to yeah i'm not going to pretend like i can climb into his brain no, but I can pretend, no yeah i can pretend that i'm in that situation and i don't have the personal relationship that they have but i'm happy right now i i was happy should, right now. yes it's should like this be is like happy. yeah yes. like this feels stable and i can do whatever i want after this but i have a stress-free rest of the season and a better probably a better chance at the title because who knows what's going to happen with Kyrie. I, I, I don't know. The, from the Mavs perspective, though, we all agree that moves had to be made around uh, around Luka. Um, this one limits other moves in the future, and it seems like this... I don't know. I guess I don't know how Luka feels about it, but balancing all this stuff in the modern NBA, pleasing your superstar while also like making the best decisions is probably pretty challenging. I have to assume that Luca was all in on this if this is something that they that they went forward with. And I'm not sure that it's good for them in the long run. It could lead to them losing both of them eventually. It it feels like when of Alabaster, look, as as a noted basketball dork, I am curious what you think about the Mavs now. I do feel like it's a move that they did out of utter desperation. It's a move that I think makes sense insofar as you are at peace with how hard it is to get a second star in any other way. And so it's like, gotta try something. Otherwise you're just doomed to just, you know, losing early in the postseason with Luca and no one else. But it's yeah. also the thing where I would, I would uh, not be surprised at all. If this became like the worst move, <laughs> like of the NBA season, all of these yeah. things are possible. The thing is, this has been a downward spiral since they let Jalen Brunson walk. Jalen Brunson, who is yeah, now a that, more useful a, basketball player in both ends of the court than Kyrie Irving, uh, really limited their options. And 
they had to go bargain hunting to find the superstar next to Luka Doncic. And opportunities like a discounted Kyrie Irving because of, I don't know, put in issue X, Y, or Z, they have to get there. Um, do I think that this is a team that can win the Western Conference? Eh, probably not. Will they have a couple dominant quarters, maybe get to the second round? Yeah, probably. That's about it. But like the Nets roster is more interesting because they built it like the 2011 Mavs. Solid role players are going to play smart basketball against around Kevin Durant, one of the best 15 players. Ever. I do think my answer is the Nets, by the way, yeah. just uh, to actually answer the question that we insulted viciously and then realized is relevant at the very end. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's because I hated it at first, but it turned out to be a good question. Well, it's it's because Alabaster I reminded uh, to your point that what they got back for Kyrie feels like an attempt to convince Kevin Durant that this is actually a viable like team this season. I think Dorian Vinny Smith, and I do think that Spencer Dinwiddie, who has returned, those are guys you could use. They're not yeah. they're not obviously anything close to the upside of Kyrie. But I still like the Nets in concept because it's Kevin Durant and a bunch of dudes who fit around Kevin Durant. And in a wide open league, I like those chances. They're not the Sixers. They're not the Bucks. They're not the Celtics. But you have Kevin Durant. And that is a, I like, I like those odds. And you don't have Kyrie Irving anymore, which like, I honestly consider uh, uh, a plus. Like, I, I, Assuming that he was going to continue the rest of the season without doing something that created some sort of other challenges to me seems unlikely. Like this is, I, I feel like I'm alone, at least on this broadcast with saying that like subtraction uh, is addition in that situation, no, but I, I really get it. genuinely, I get it. no, I'm thinking about it as a, workplace. I like certainty, man. I really like certainty. And uh, yeah, that, that was stressing me out. You know who doesn't like certainty? LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron James, happy. who tweeted, maybe it's me. And we were trying to figure out, because we're all old now, um, is this a Taylor Swift reference? Is this some other lyric that we all missed? Is he just writing poetry now? Um, but that dude being disappointed that he got beaten out by the Mavs, perhaps because the Nets not only did addition by subtraction, but did it spitefully <laughs> by refusing to send him to L.A. is is something that uh, I don't think we've heard the last of in this trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess LeBron and Kyrie have made up since, but let's not forget that Kyrie left. He didn't want to be around LeBron. Maybe things have changed. Yeah. Like he, he left Cleveland because he didn't want to be freedom, with anymore. But... Freedom is what he saw. It was he was right. yelling about. He's finally free. And now, now you're in Dallas, buddy. Ugh. It's the only place. Like, it's one of the few places where I feel like he can walk the streets and people ain't going to be mad at him. Well, I mean, they are familiar with, you know, finally having a second shooter. <laughs> I, I, there's so many places I thought you were going to go, and I didn't think you were going to go JFK, but <laughs> I appreciate it. Nice job. I liked it. Leave that in. Leave that in. Oh, Super Bowl oh, storylines draft. Something we're all we're all drinking to survive Super Bowl week. Alabaster, oh, how should we start it? We're here. It's all here. right, guys. There are storylines abound. It's Super Bowl week, and we're excited. And you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do absolutely nothing. I'm gonna pass all <laughs> the legwork on to you all. We're gonna do a draft of oh, the storylines of the things you find interesting, and then you can explain why you find those storylines interesting. Nice. And we have a draft order. 
The draft order is Dominique, oh, then Bill, ooh. then Pablo. And I was thinking we should do a snake snake, snake draft, draft to make it yeah, fair. Yeah, all right. But then I was like, no, no snake draft. Pablo's going to pass off all the analysis anyway. So you're going last in both rounds. <laughs> wow. Dominique, you're on the clock. You're the snake for the record, Alabaster. Oh, the snake is you. Oh, so you're not going to like put up the list of topics? We just... I, I can do that. I'll read. We, uh, we, we produced a list of, of topics. The first one I'll go through is, you know, the do, uh, the Patrick Mahomes goat case, if they win, that's, which has been propagated by Dominique Foxworth on many platforms. Mm-hmm. The Eagles, mm-hmm. their Super Bowl path being easy. Those zany Kelsey brothers matching up against each other. Can um, tell the hatred in Alabaster's voice. The first ever matchup of two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Oh, did you hear the seriousness in his voice? <laughs> From Zany to serious, you felt it? I was that oh, there was gonna it. be yeah. Uh, we, we found we found so the person much. to make uncomfortable, and it's not mm-hmm. one of us. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you regretted that zaniness real quick. <laughs> Andy Reid versus old team versus Nick Sirianni versus old team. Uh, mm. Receiver trades and how they impact the game. The AJ Brown mm. trade and the Tyree Kill trade. Different impacts on this game. And brighter future ahead. The Mahomes-led Chiefs or the Juggernaut Eagles? All right. You're on the clock, Dominique. Oh, man. I, I mean, I don't like to lose. Loaded so draft. I have Loaded to, draft. I have to be strategic mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. drafting. And uh, I think I like either six or seven. I'm going to go with the brighter future conversation like i think that's an interesting conversation brighter future Mm -hmm. nope change my mind i before (laughs) before roger gets to the podium a pre-take get your (laughs) back here roger i don't want that i'll I'll leave that on the board i want to do receiver conversation because there's another element to the receiver conversation that we didn't even address it's the fact that some receivers might even be on the block so the idea that a number one receiver is very important to a team. Like it's not an original thought, but it seems like as we go more into the passing proliferation of the game and the quarterbacks becoming more dependent on playmaking receivers, it seems clear to me that the modern receiver is like the nineties running back where no good teams had no good teams are successful without one of these guys on them, unless your name is Patrick Mahomes. And then you just protect him and he turns all these other people into great receivers. So, yes, you can trade away your number one receiver if you draft Patrick Mahomes. So go draft Patrick Mahomes senior and maybe he can play quarterback like Mm -hmm. his son. And then you don't have to worry about a number one receiver. But I I, I don't know. I think as good as their offense was this year, it is uh, less dynamic. and, And you see in big situations that it would be really nice to have somebody else for the defense to be. Uh, paying attention to so i don't know if it's going to impact my, impact my decision on this game but mm-hmm. it does have some big questions or have me with some big questions about this chief team in this uh, super bowl i got a big question for you guys dominique and pablo is the number one receiver on the philadelphia eagles aj brown or Devontae smith like, like if you could only keep one of them, if you're going to go by this this T. Higgins rule, that I don't know why it's a rule about not keeping two superstar receivers, but if you could only keep one of those guys, leave the contracts out of it, right. who would you rather keep? Pablo? Devontae Smith, baby. <laughs> that on-field awareness that we saw. <laughs> Veteran savvy. Not catching balls, turning them into catches. Turning water into wine. On top of being like the younger, faster, admittedly not like the 
physical presence that AJ yeah. Brown is. I know AJ mm-hmm. Brown was like the key in some sense to like getting this offense going, but I like I like that. I kid, guess I, man. I'd love to see. Um, I think they're very different physically, and that makes for an easy <laughs> like differentiation in choices or in uh players. So, do you want the thin guy or the big guy? And what I'm sorry, Bill, this, but like I think was, it matters. This was the same question that Nintendo players faced in ice hockey. Uh, I remember years that ago. game. You always picked the big one. I did at least. You, all, all, I, I, I was. I think I was two big guys, two small guys. Middle guys just felt like they were defeated the purpose, and that's why I feel like the Eagles. They didn't go for middle ground. They went either Devontae Smith, who's really tiny, or AJ Brown, who's only huge in every situation, unless he's taking a photo with DK Metcalf. <laughs> that's right i forgot about that ridiculous picture yeah. the only reason why the yeah, size ming shack and the only reason why the yes. size comes up in my mind is because the contested catches and mm-hmm. aj brown I, I to be completely honest with you i don't know what Devontae smith's contested catch numbers are but i do know that when i watch the game there are some balls that are thrown in aj's area that aren't mm-hmm. great passes and he mm-hmm. makes them into great passes so that makes me want to lean aj even though i'm a slighter guy it makes me want to go with the thin guy because we should stick together and love each other but I don't know. I like the muscles. Let's go. Let's go Kelsey's. Mm. Let's have the Kelsey Ooh. discussion because there's a chance this is Jason Kelsey's final game. There's a chance that Travis Kelsey is the most important player in this game. I don't think either of those are unreasonable things to say. Yeah. But are they actually entertaining? <laughs> Wait, okay, hold on. Two levels to this conversation. The yes. second one is the more fun one. The of first course. one is full of takes, and I kind of am intrigued by those takes. Okay. But the second one, I mean, man. Yeah, we're, we're, what is can it? We like, do, can we do the football conversation at... first? Can okay, we please? Right, I beg you. I beg fine. you. Fine. So I was, I was going to call them like uh, Ohio 10s, which I think is offensive. <laughs> wow, um, yes. But oh, but you get my man. drift. But the take that Bill had, O H one zero, Pablo says. <laughs> That's right. The take that Bill had, which is that it, it was that Jason Kelsey is the most impactful player in this game. That is the take that you just unveiled, Travis. Oh, that Travis Kelsey is the most. Either way, sure. Either Kelsey being the most impactful player in this game when the aforementioned Mahomes is available on yeah. the board seems mm-hmm. like I mean, I think by impactful, at least I, I, I'm reading into it to be favorable to Bill's ridiculous statement if he's including Patrick Mahomes, but sure. we know what to we know what to expect from Patrick Mahomes. And Travis Kelsey is the lone playmaker. I guess Pacheco seemed pretty good, but he's the lone kind of person that requires mm-hmm. your attention from a defensive standpoint. If he's able to to uh, break whatever coverages that they designed to specifically to stop him because he's the only guy that you got to really game plan for, then there's really nothing you can do with that offense. If you can't stop Travis Kelsey with a defense designed to stop Travis Kelsey, uh, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a field day. I mean, it's been a whole year where you kind of look at that offense and say, well, if we can stop Kelsey, we're good. And they're not stopping Kelsey. So, (laughs) I I, like, I think the Eagles are very good on defense. They have tons of talent. They have guys who can actually man up Kelsey when he is on the backside of those three on one, three by one sets. But like Andy Reid's gonna find ways to split Kelsey behind somebody and get him out into the flat or get him out onto his route. Like like Andy Reid lives to get Travis Kelsey single coverage. And every week, even though we thinking, okay, this is the week where it's not gonna happen, it always happens. 
Jason Kelsey's what really is- good too. He's less fun to watch because people don't like offensive linemen. But if you watch him for the course of the game, like it's pretty some some pretty. He's a small guy relative to everyone yep. else that he's playing against. And I guess the leverage and strength that he has in the athleticism when he pulls and does all types of weird stuff that most centers are incapable of doing, it really adds another dimension to their running game, particularly when Jalen Hurts is the ball carrier. Mm-hmm. He's impressive too, but oh, line play, who cares? Throw the ball to the tight end. I live in the way that like David Attenborough talks about like Jaguars. I live for Brian Baldinger talking about Jason Kelsey. Like I just want somebody who nerds out on this particular creature to Mm -hmm. in that gravelly voice explain. Yeah. Like the dents that he is making in a D line. And Dominique, you just said that, is it simply the case guys that it is because centers in general are not known for being actually and literally impactful in that way and here is a guy who is doing a job that he's not expected to do i mean like centers are sort of like referees where you only notice them when something goes wrong it's like oh Mm. that guy stopped the ball eight yards behind that quarterback like typically you don't talk about them that often but you watch the eagles play and like they're doing stuff that like the, the plays aren't different but the way they get to the plays are different like everyone runs power everyone runs counter but they don't have their center pulling. They're still snapping the yeah. ball and then stay in put. And other guys are moving around around them. But instead, it's Kelsey. They're changing their blocking scheme. They're having Kelsey do stuff that guards would typically do, that even tackles might typically do in a, on a particular play. And that's fun to watch if you're a nerd, but not really that entertaining if you don't care that much. Most people don't really care about centers all that much because it's not really a fun position. And the tough thing about that offensive line, or not tough thing, but a tough thing about giving Kelsey a lot of love, I think centers get a lot of attention for being like smart guys who can yes, call right. it protection mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. They're not physically imposing. But when you look at that offensive line, uh, Kel- Jason Kelsey's the third guy that I'm in- <laughs> most impressed with when I'm watching that line. Like Jordan Mailata, a mm-hmm. seventh round draft pick who is Rugby guy. just yep. as good, if not better than Lane Johnson at the left tackle. And then there's Lane Johnson playing mm-hmm groinless football as well as people with groins it's pretty impressive so no disrespect to jason you a baller but Mm -hmm. it's hard to get excited about a center a and then a center who may not even be the most impressive player on that offensive line but he's certainly the most entertaining i know jordan can sing Mm -hmm. but he's never put on that crazy outfit after winning a super bowl i guess he didn't can can we add groinless football to the draft board guys i'm uncomfortable with that it's differently groined Pablo, you're on the clock. Great. With the third overall pick in the debatable Super Bowl storyline draft, Pablo Torres selects two black. No! I knew you were going to do it. I left it on the board because I thought that you had respect. Dominique thought they were going to drop because they got bad scouting reports (laughs) heading into the draft. Heard they're not not doing a great (laughs) job of preparing. Their teammates yeah. aren't big fans. I, I, assumed, too much call of that, duty. I assumed that their Wonderlick score was leaked because oh. that's what y'all do to <laughs> black quarterbacks. But alas, Pablo saw through the racism wow. and drafted him. I'm so dis- disgusted and disappointed. Dominique literally tried to convert this topic to safety. <laughs> his safety. It was his safety school. And guess yes, what? Yes. This guy uh, saw the arc of justice bend uh, right towards this box. I thought that um, I would scare you up. But anyway, let's do the topic. No, I mean, I, I want to I do the topic by acknowledging that, like, in some ways we're numb to this. 
because we live in a world, a season specifically, in which black quarterbacks are obviously really good now. <laughs> so two black quarterbacks being in the Super Bowl at the same time, if you look at it through the lens of the present tense, it's sort of like this obvious thing. It just feels like a thing historically that we have to mark, given everything that happened before, in which it was, you know, and, and Dominique, I truly, I truly feel like the things I have to say here should be so obvious. It's all of the jokes we made, all of those jokes rooted in a truth that like this was the position that was beneath black people, according to all sorts of anonymous GMs and even GMs that were quite on the record, right? And so the idea that here we are and it happened and this is a marking of a trajectory that in all honesty, like is overdue, like it would have happened sooner if not for these artificial constraints. Um, yes, I, I think it's worth, I mean, look, the whole like end racism in the end zone thing. The NFL does a lot of things that feel hollow. This feels like a thing that was earned um, and it wasn't because of the league. It was in actually in spite of it. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very cool. I think the the history of the league is the history of the league and the current, I mean, honestly, Josh Johnson, it's like the real symbol of progress. Mm. Like, because these guys are incredible. And that tends to be the case. Like, Patrick sure. Mahomes is quite possibly the best we've ever seen. Jalen Hurts is a legitimate MVP candidate. Uh, I guess we could talk about Snoop going to the Pro Bowl. That's some great moment in in, uh, in Black <laughs> history. Like, that, that is when a bunch of media, mediocre quarterbacks can put on Pro Bowl jerseys. And mm -hmm. the yes. Black one there is just as mediocre as the rest. Man, that is a, represents progress <laughs> because if you think about all the other quarterbacks in history, and also, um, I think it's the style too. Like everybody in the NFL now is a black quarterback. Like the the um way that the games have developed is everyone is athletic. Who like is you, who's you the who's no the M and M? Who's the M and M of quarterbacks? It's Daniel Jones. Of course, yeah. it's Daniel Jones yeah. and Pablo. Wow. You, I forgot how pissed I was at you about this because you did that horrendous episode of ESPN Daily where you talked about <laughs> athletic quarterbacks. You talked about Daniel Jones with Alex Smith on the on a uh, Martin Luther King's birthday. You released it the episode taped the day before. It was taped the day before. Athletic quarterbacks. I don't know. I think to give the the topic the seriousness that it deserves, it is. Uh, yes. I mean, it's a. It's a landmark that the league should be proud of. The players should be proud of. It's not, we're not, we're nowhere near where like that, uh, I guess, true equality takes place in quarterbacks rooms. We know how it works. It's about our relationships. And then we see what's happening with the coaches. Like the NFL should celebrate this, but it's not a moment for like, we hit the finish line, you know, we haven't hit the finish line as far as uh, equality is concerned in the NFL, but this is a momentous occasion. And now, like, it's, it's going to be easier for me to watch because it's like, and I don't know, maybe you guys have this feeling also, but when you have these, like, big moments where there is a minority in that situation, if it's a minority that you identify with or not, often when there is someone who is pioneering in a situation, it feels stressful, like, because you know what's going to happen. If a white quarterback loses the Super Bowl, the quarterback lost the Super Bowl. If a black quarterback loses right, the Super Bowl, right, right. then black quarterbacks lose the Super Bowl, and then the criticism comes down on them a little differently than everyone else, and the praise does not come in nearly as loudly when they mm -hmm. succeed. So it's something that hangs over 
me as I watch games and influences the way that I watch them anticipating the reaction. So it's going to be real nice to just watch this game and just be like, whew, I don't have to worry about whatever happens after this game. <laughs> just wait. Just wait till that <laughs> shot of Gardner Minshew on the sideline, Dominique. Just, just watch out. Oh, my gosh. You're right. If Jalen Hurts struggles. I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, no, I mean, Pablo, I think characterizing it as like this, like, part of the fossil record that is more academic i don't know if that's the case like there's still a lot of entrenched opinions about who plays quarterback what they look like how they play who gets the benefit of the doubt all that stuff that's not 10 or 15 years ago that's as recent as jalen hurts himself right i mean jalen hurts was seen by some people after playing successfully in two different offenses at a very high level as not an nfl caliber quarterback um, in a way that I don't think anyone else with that sort of resume coming into the NFL, whether they were going to succeed or not, would not have been asked to change to a different position or, or, or expected that maybe they were not up to the standard of being an NFL caliber player. Remember the comparisons for uh, Jalen Hurts when he was drafted by the Eagles were not to be better than Carson Wentz. They were to be the Black Taysom Hill which was not fair at the time. It's not fair now. And and my hope is that, you know, as we get past these conversations of, you know, uh, it, it being weird for a black quarterback or, or unlikely for a black quarterback to be in a Super Bowl or for a quarterback like Jalen Hurts to play in the Super Bowl and possibly win the Super Bowl or, or that the old terrible adage about how you can't be a running quarterback and win the Super Bowl, which has always been and an arbitrary distinction. Like once we get past that, then I think hopefully the next step is that we're sort of more numb to it or that it's more obvious or that it's sorry for continuing this conversation. How dare How dare you? Alabaster. Black History Month, Alabaster. Insensitive. Oh, goodness. I would say that on top top of um, the unfair criticism that Jalen Hurts, unfair, I guess, cynicism that Jalen Hurts probably received, it's also like it hangs over Patrick Mahomes too. And like the urge that it feels to be around Patrick Mahomes, there's like an urge to find somebody who is on par with him or anoint someone as better than him. And it's not something that I feel like we've seen in the past with quarterbacks who weren't black. So like, I, it's hard to completely pin down that that has, that that is the reason for it. But I've lived here long enough to know that race plays a part in everything. Mm-hmm. And I am normally safe to assume that whether it's conscious or unconscious, the way that people talk about um, Patrick Mahomes versus his contemporaries, like it's it's in there. It's it's in there. It may not be as potent as, as it is when you talk about Lamar Jackson, but mm-hmm. it's in there with Patrick Mahomes in part because it's not as potent because he doesn't there's not much to criticize, but there does feel like there's always a rush to say someone's on par with him when they ain't. Right, right. No one, yeah. no one on this panel talked about Joe Burrow two weeks ago as being possibly on par with him. So you don't have to even go back and watch that. Uh-uh, don't do that. What a great pick by me, guys. Yeah, uh, I'm on the clock. Yeah, I like this transition right into number one, Patrick Mahomes, goat chase if they win. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I guess the the tough thing about the GOAT conversation for Patrick Mahomes, or I guess the GOAT conversation in general, is people use stats to support who the GOAT is. Sorry. And it's (laughs) It's impossible. No, this is in your defense, uh, Bill. 
it's impossible to have one stat that you can point to and say this is the definitive stat. So you argue like ad nauseum about like it, maybe it's QBR, maybe it's Super Bowls one, maybe it's passing yards, maybe it's touchdowns. And like to me, it kind of feels like no matter what, this conversation is going to have to be like narrative driven and like Patrick Mahomes being the goat after two Super Bowls is going to be a reach because lots of people have more than that. But yep. it's hard to argue that there's been anybody who's been more important to whatever we're calling this run, a dynasty, or if they win another Super Bowl, I guess we can call it that, or just this run of dominance that they've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you're going to call it, it's quite clear that it's Patrick-centric. And for uh, his competitors in this goat conversation, like it's not like is they're loaded they're loaded rosters in many cases or even Mm -hmm. like game managers for at least portions of their super bowl uh like um resume Mm -hmm. they weren't the key piece it's hard to say that with patrick mahomes and even his the super bowl he lost up there with one of the more impressive displays of quarterbacking Mm -hmm. But this is this is why the goat conversation to me, like what we're really doing, and it's fitting that we do this inside of this format. We're really fundamentally asking: we're drafting every quarterback, every player ever. Who do you want to take number one overall? Mm-hmm. It's not about the awards. Like who's actually the guy you'd want to start your team with? And the answer already, very arguably and justifiably, is Mahomes, Bill. And that's on mm-hmm. top of, of course, the, the the awards and all of that. But that's on, on that level. It seems. Pretty, oh, really? The, the music again? All right. Oh We're moving along. I, We're lightning round. Literally, this, Bill. literally, to not even say a word about this topic, and I'm lightning ready to round. move on. You're on the clock, Barnwell. Second pick. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, I, sorry, Dominique went 18 minutes for his second pick, so I guess I'll go quickly on mine. I will oh, go <laughs> Nick Sirianni and Andy Reid both being fired by the opposing team. I just want to put this out there. Nick Sirianni was the wide receivers coach for the Romeo Crennel and Todd Haley era Chiefs. And when Andy Reid came in and got hired, one of the first things he did was fire Nick Sirianni, who was not a head coach at that point, not on the head coaching track years away from having that confidence. I hold way, way, way less meaningful grudges from a decade ago than I would hold if this really successful, beloved coach fired me, had success with my old team, and it took me a decade to go get his old job back. I love that. Nick Sirianni I didn't know pissed. that. I love, I love the, the, the just bloodlust in, yes. inside of this game. Um, Dominique has taken off his shirt because he's clearly yep. ready for my pick, Alabaster. I'm going to piggyback off of Bill's pick, and I'm going to go with the Eagles having the easiest path to a Super Bowl ever. Because I'm an Andy Reid stan, and guess what, buddy? Nick Sirianni is coasting. He is coasting. The Julian Love. Absolutely. It's the, well, it's the Julian Love argument, exactly. Giant safety who said, yeah, free ride for Nick Sirianni because you look at the quarterbacks that they faced. We mentioned it. They beat Eminem, Daniel Jones. <laughs> I don't know who Josh Johnson is, but I now Millie, respect him more than I did before. Is Josh Johnson? Dominique. Is Josh Johnson Millie Vanilli? Like what? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> oh my! We blame it on the rain. Oh no, that's not Millie Vanilli. Yeah, that is Millie Vanilli. Mm-hmm. Or 
technically, I guess it was. Yeah, you know, I guess it wasn't. Um, but uh, and 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 I guess now here it is. Like, prove it. So I mean, I, I I appreciate where this was drafted because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how easy your path is. You mm-hmm. win a bowl, you win a bowl. Like I don't. That to yeah. me feels like you're you're just out here trying to hate exactly like, who you put in front of them. And now if they beat the Chiefs, they win the Super Bowl. So it ain't their fault. I, I get it. I get it as a, I mean, it's fair to point out that the teams, the two teams that they played were like one probably isn't in a normal season, isn't in that situation. The other one was down to Christian McCaffrey at quarterback. So sucks, right. but they did it. I 72 mean, Dolphins don't hear any complaints about that stuff, but they played an easy schedule. They, they don't, they don't pop half a bottle of champagne when the <laughs> final game's over because they played a schedule. The whole bottle's still coming out. You don't you don't think there's gonna be Twitter eggs who are like, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse ring, fraud, no. played no. Patrick Mahomes on one <laughs> leg. I don't care if they do. Yeah. I don't care, and I also don't think they will. Like I, I just like is that we can go through history. I'm sure there we can find other teams Ooh. that had easy runs, and we don't talk about them. Like hey, they, I love they the idea of Twitter eggs though who say this about every possible historical yes. event. Yes, American <laughs> Revolution. Yes. What yes. an easy schedule. Yeah, Brit- British were busy <laughs> with France. Those tea-drinking cowards, really? Distracted? Yep. World War One. once you get him in the trenches, anything can happen. It's, 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 it's a 50-50 <laughs> battle at that point. doesn't mean anything. I think we should stop before one of us says something offensive. <laughs> By one of us, I mean, I mean Pablo, obviously. Too late. <laughs> definitely too late. Uh, are we done with the draft since Alabaster was trying to speed us through? Like, are we fine? Oh, okay, there it is. Oh! Yeah, we did it. For the record Yay. here, the pick that Dominique almost took first overall went undrafted. Went undrafted, the Lyle Collins of the NFL. Uh, or the Aaron Rodgers, perhaps. <sighs> Fell off oh. the board, still hanging out in the green room. That's, that's what happens when you don't value equality. <laughs> <laughs>